0: Good to see you guys. Everybody looks so, so good. I'm so excited that we are kicking off Summer at City Hope this weekend with Barefoot Sunday. Um, and I'm hoping that there are a lot of bare feet. I can't see them, which is probably good because feet creep me out. Um, so I'm glad that I can't see all of your feet, but I hope that there's a lot of bare feet. Um, my feet are really ugly, so I always rot the socks um, just because, you know, feet are just weird. They're just weird. Um, especially those of you over at the Mobile campus, Pastor Josh has the weirdest feet in the world. We call them hobbit feet. Um, You can actually braid the hair on the top of his feet. Funky, just straight funky. Um, So hopefully Pastor Josh is wearing socks. Um, But listen, today is a really, really great day. Of course, Barefoot Sunday, summer at City Hope. It's just an amazing day. But one of the most amazing things that's happening today in all of our campuses, I want everybody to just celebrate this together, is that today Foley moved into their brand new building. Yes! Foley, we are so excited for you guys and I know you are loving it. Um, I got to be down there last night for a little while. The space is just incredible. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, And so when you go to the beach this summer, everybody stop by Foley. And go to church there. Hang out with the Foley campus a little bit, because it is a beautiful campus. Pastor Ben and the whole team has just done a phenomenal job, and we're so proud of you guys. And I'm so excited about this next season. I know God's going to do amazing things. God did incredible things in a middle school. So I cannot wait to see what God does in our brand new building. It's going to be absolutely incredible. So, uh, so Foley, you're amazing. We love you guys. As a church, we're, we are one house with many rooms, and we're so excited that you got a new room. <laughs> We're so excited. Um, so anyway, so listen, you guys be praying for Foley as they settle in and this next season. It's gonna be really, really awesome for them. Um, well, listen, we are kicking off summer at City Hope, and we are gonna have some fun all summer long, but um, and I know you've already heard about a few of the things that are coming up, but there are a couple of things kind of down the road a little bit that, that I just wanted the opportunity to kind of tell you about, just, just a snippet of a few things that are coming up. And one of those things is we're doing something brand new this summer that we've never done before. And, and you hear us say it all the time, that generosity is active, and we believe that with all of our heart. Um, and so we're going we're to express that in a new way this summer. You know, we express it all summer long, but we found a new way to express it. Um, and so we're all going to we're all gonna get to be a part of this. No matter if, you know, if, if you've ever served before, if you've ever done anything like that before, it doesn't matter. Everybody's going to get to be a part of this. Um, and here's how it works. On July 16th, we're going to have a weekend that we're calling One for One one for one, and it's really, really simple at every single one of our locations. um, Here's here's how it's gonna work. For every single person that's in attendance that weekend, we're gonna give one dollar for every single person in attendance into something big in our community. So as a church, no matter how many people are here, the more people that are here that weekend, is the more money that we're going to give into something substantial in our community. Now we're going to do this periodically, and we're not—I'm not really going to tell you what that big thing is. We know what it is, but we're going to surprise you the next weekend to let you see what this is. But whether it's a through a nonprofit, through a local ministry, or through a, you know just meeting a need in someone's life, uh, whatever it is, we're going to however many people are here that weekend. That's what we're going to give. So whether it's $4,000, $5,000, $6,000 that we're gonna have to put towards something substantial. So market your calendars, calendars, July 16th, bring your friends, bring your neighbors, bring everyone you got, because every single person in attendance is a dollar. Okay, you got that? It's easy, right, one for one. Every person here, we're gonna give a dollar for that person, so it's gonna be awesome that weekend. And then one other thing, um, at the very end of the summer, um, an event that we've been doing the last couple of years that I'm extremely passionate about, um, I believe in the power of leadership I believe that leadership is influence and I believe that every single one of us are leaders and it doesn't matter to me what stage of life it doesn't matter to me if you're if you're a CEO or if you're a stay-at-home mom we're all leaders we all lead ourselves we all lead people to Christ we all lead families we all lead in the church we all are leaders and whenever a leader gets better everyone around you wins and so at the end of every summer, we host an event that we call, or that is called, the Global Leadership Summit. And we sync up, we sync up with almost 200,000 leaders in America for this one event. It's two days, and it's absolutely world-class, incredible. And we've been doing it for, this will be our third year, and every year, those of you that are attending, those of you that are becoming a part of it, are just raving about how it's influencing your personal life and your business life. Whether you lead a business, whether you're a sales guy, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a barista, it doesn't matter. Everybody can benefit from this. And so I wanna encourage you, the early bird rate, or the early bird date is coming up, it's July 11th. Um, So you need to get in on this now. This is a huge thing, because we believe in the power of leadership. let me just show you a couple of the speakers that are going to be there this year. Um, Laszlo Bach is one of the senior advisors from Google. Anybody know what Google is? Right? Senior advisor, he's, a, he's written a ton of books. Uh, Sheryl Sandberg is the COO of Facebook. I know you don't know what Facebook is. Who would know what that is? CEO of Facebook is going to be talking to us that day about leadership. Marcus Buckingham is an author, an amazing leadership guy. Marcus Limonis, he's the CEO of Camping World. He's also a star of of a CNBC show. And then, of course, Andy Stanley, who a lot of you guys know, he's one of my favorite pastors, but he also coaches Fortune 500 CEOs on leadership. And it's this amazing blend of God and leadership and how God really wants to infuse his principles into your business, into what you do for a living. Um, so just these are just a sampling of who all is gonna be there. It's two days, it's a, it, it is an investment, but it's an investment that you're gonna get a lot back from. Um, so just, that's my plug, um, my stamp of endorsement. I'm asking you, I'm telling you, every single one of us need to be involved in this event. It's two days and it will absolutely change your year, I promise you, okay? All right, so that's my, that's my kind of spiel over the next couple of months, what all we got going on. Um, so I'm going to jump into this, this first week of this series. Um, and I'm really, really excited because we're launching this series along with Summer at City Hope. Um, and this series we're calling Fully Alive is a very, very important series. It's very important not only because we're going to have a lot of fun during the summer, um, but kind of the way that I like to say it is our summer is for family, Right? I mean, summer is just an amazing time for vacation. It's for going to the beach. It's for hanging out with the family and camping and all this kind of stuff. So summer is for family. And so we're going to take the rest of the summer, and we're going to talk about our family values. As a family, as City Hope family, it doesn't matter what campus you're in right now. It doesn't matter what location. Even if you're watching on a computer screen or you're in one of the correctional facilities, we're family. Every single one of us, we're a part of a family. And just like your family has values, our family has values. And you hear us talk about them all the time. We talk about them as often as we possibly can. And I'll tell you why we do that in just a minute. But we're going to devote the entire summer to talking about our family values, who we are as a church. Because values are, we, could, we say them this way, these are our core values. And basically the point of a core value is, is this is who we are and this is how we behave. This is how we act. This is what we do. Right in your family you understand this like as a tailor like this is what my family's gonna do because we're tailors We're gonna treat people this way. We're gonna act this way We're gonna do things this way because this is a value of my home And there is nothing better as a parent than whenever you hear about your kid doing something that lines up with your values Right just a couple weeks ago. I heard a story actually someone in our church told me a story about my oldest daughter And as he was telling the story, I'm just smiling ear to ear because everything he's telling me just lines up with what I believe is true about my family and about my daughter, and I preach it to her all the time. And all of a sudden I'm hearing it back from somebody else that's seen it in her, and I'm just like, that's it. Like there is no more joy, there is no more life, there is no more peace than when the family is centered around these values. It's just beautiful. It's amazing. And this family has values. This family has values. And those values, they help us make decisions. Those values help us every single day as we lead this church, they help us make decisions about who we are as a church. Because God called us to be this church, not that church, this church. And he gave us a set of values, and so values help us make decisions. Values help us say, hey, is this what we should do? But wait a minute, God said this is who we are, so maybe that's not what we should do. They guide us, they direct us, and they ultimately help us know how to live and how to act. And as a church, we have those kind of values. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next seven weeks. And back at the very beginning of the year, um, I was doing the one-year Bible, and I was just kind of going through doing my reading. And I knew that this series was coming up, and, and this one particular story just jumped out at me. It just jumped out at me, and I just thought, man, that is the absolute perfect Story to kind of set up core values and kind of set up what it is, what values truly are, and it's maybe a little bit of a flip on a story. Maybe it's a little bit different uh, than 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 you know the way that we've heard it growing up, growing up in church and all that kind of stuff. But um, but there's a story in the Old Testament in Genesis 11 about the Tower of Babel. And it's an interesting story because at this time, there was a lot of people on the earth and they did not know how to get to God. They knew that there was a God, but they did not know how to get to God. They didn't know how to communicate with God. They didn't know anything about God. And so they thought that the way that they could get to God was to build a tower to heaven. And we've heard this story, right? All the, every single person, everyone's working and they're going to build this giant, massive tower all the way to heaven to ultimately get to heaven. And here's what God showed me about this verse. Let me show you this in Genesis 11. It says this, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Do you hear what God's saying? He's saying, Listen, They may actually succeed because they are in perfect unity. Because they're saying the right thing, they're all saying the same thing, they're all living the same way, they're all actually working together in unison. Um, we got a problem. They may actually succeed at this. They may actually carry this through. There will be nothing, nothing that will stand in their way. So what does God do? He says, hey, let's go down and let's confuse their language so that they will not be able to understand each other. Hey, listen, they may actually figure out that this is, that they can actually succeed in this. And God says, look, wait a minute, this isn't the way I want them to get to me. This isn't the way they're supposed to get to me, so let me confuse their language. Let me break apart the unity so that they cannot succeed. Flip this verse. Whenever we, as the church of God, of Jesus Christ, we are speaking the same thing, living the same thing, with the vision of God in us and through us, and we are unified on it, then nothing can stand in our way. It's the power of we. It's the power of unity. It's the power of the church. It's the power of us coming together and realizing that when we are truly we, then nothing is impossible. When we are truly the church that God called us to be, created us to be, then nothing is impossible. And you've heard us talk about these values before. Most of you, if you've been here for any amount of time, I mean, just today we spoke about a couple of these values already today because we're gonna talk about them all the time. And today, I wanna open up the very first one. Most of them, they're not necessarily in an order. Um, There isn't an order of importance or anything like that. But the very first one is the most important one. And anytime we list them, it has to be at the very, very top. And the very first core value is this, is that it is all about Jesus. Can I just, can somebody just give me an amen right there? I mean, come on. Right? It is all about Jesus. We sang the song today, we, we, we talk like that a lot, but do we really live it and believe it? Is this really something that is fully a part of us? Because this is what will, will, what, what will stand us apart from the rest of the world, is if we live our life this way, that it's all about Jesus. And we say it this way, we say we are unwavering in our belief that everything begins and ends with Jesus. Everything begins and ends with Jesus. So as a a church, when we're making decisions, hey, is Jesus involved? Is he a part of this? Is he leading us? Is he guiding us? Is this all about Jesus? Or is is this all about making Jesus famous? Or is this all about making us famous? Is this all about just another program or just another initiative? Or ultimately, is this all about Jesus? Is this all glorifying and worshiping him? Is this all about bringing people to him? Is it all about Jesus? Because if it's not, then I don't want anything to do with it. If it's not all about him, then just, it's a great idea, it's cute, it's fun, man, that would be awesome. But if it's not all about Jesus, then I don't want it in my life. I don't want it in our church. I don't want it to be of something that we do, because we are all about Jesus. And as you, as our families that come together and create the family, this has to be what we say. It's all about Jesus. In the second century, there was a, there was a man by the name of Ptolemy. And if some of you history buffs would probably remember this, guys. Um, He was an astrologer. And in in the 2nd century, he created a theory. He created a theory because then they could look up and kind of see, and he'd study the stars and all this stuff. He created a theory that the entire universe revolved around the earth. Now, of course, we know now that that's wrong. But then, he was convinced of it. He watched the stars and he could see the spin and all the stuff that was happening until he knew. He was completely convinced that the Earth was the center of the universe. It was 13 to 1400 years later, when a man by the name of Copernicus came along. You probably remember Copernicus. He came along and he began to study and he began to go, women, I think this belief is wrong. I think this theory is wrong. When I look at this and you know, the, the constellations and the way things seem to be moving, it's never the same. And if we were the center, they would always be the same. So, well, wait, 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 hang on. Something isn't right. And so he created, he took this idea of geocentric, which is the universe revolves around the earth, and he said, I don't feel like that's right. I believe it's heliocentric, which means the entire universe revolves around the sun. When he, now for 12, 1300 years, they've been believing this. For 12, 1300 years, the entire world was based, this is, this is what's true, this is what it is. And then Copernicus came along and said, well, I think we got this whole thing wrong. So for years and years and years, they thought he was a madman. They thought he was crazy. Like, why would you, why would you try to mess this whole thing up, man? Listen, this is the way that it is. But of course, we know today that that is true. It's heliocentric. But I wonder for us, each and every one of us, and my guess would even be the majority of us, even those of us that are believers, that are Christ followers, is that we believe that the universe revolves around me. Right, amen? We believe that everything in the universe revolves around me, however it doesn't, it revolves around Jesus. Everything does. And there is a moment that has to happen, there's a shift that has to happen in every single one of our minds, a revelation to realize that, wait a minute, I'm not in the center of my own universe. I'm not in the center of anything, Jesus is in the center of the universe. As a matter of fact, everything we do is in response to him. Everything we do is a push and a pull, it's the gravitational pull of Jesus. Every single thing that we do, but for so long we don't get that, we don't realize that. We think that the world revolves around us. And I can can bet that you, just like me, were very selfish. We think that it's this way, that it's my preferences, is what I want, but ultimately it's not. It's about Jesus. It's about what He wants. As a matter of fact, He is. He is the star of the story of God. What my my kids have this storybook Bible that we read that's absolutely amazing. Um, whether you have kids or not, you should go get it. It's just called the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it's just beautiful and. In every single story, number one, it's written really, really well. It's beautiful. But every single story, they illustrate exactly how Jesus intertwines through that story. All the way back to creation. How Jesus works through every single story. Why? Because the story of the Bible is the story of Jesus. It's the story of Jesus. He's the star. And here's the thing that I want you to understand more than anything else today, is that you're not the star of your story. Jesus is the star of your story. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you will move into what God wants to do in you and through you. But right now, if you're stuck, go ahead with your bad self. But right now, if you're stuck in this idea that church and Jesus is this little additive thing, this little extra thing that I do, it's this little, this little additive that's in my life, then, then you're never going to take a next step with him until you fully realize that he's in the middle. Here's the question I want to ask. Is your story Jesus-centric? Does, do you orbit around Jesus? Is your life in response to him when he moves, when he changes, when he, when he shifts? Are, are you living in response to him? Is he a part of your story? Or is your story you-centric? You actually think that what you get, you want. I mean, what you want, you get. You actually believe that everything revolves around you because it doesn't. It revolves around Jesus. Whether you know it or not, it revolves around him. He created us. He created this place. He created all of this ultimately to worship him. To just lift him up and to give him everything. That's how he created us. And we've got to realize that He is in the middle. He is in the very center of our lives. In Revelation, Jesus says this in Revelation 22. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning, beginning and the end. Now, we all have heard that before. We've read that before. We've heard sermons on that before. We, we understand that, that Jesus Christ is everything. He's everything he is the Alpha and the Omega he is the first and he is the last and he is the beginning and he is the end he is everything and we get that but here's my question to you is that true in your personal life is that true in your personal life and let me let me say this to some degree the Alpha and the the Omega is is kind of easy for Jesus to be your Alpha would be the day that you raised your hand and you surrendered your life to Christ, and you felt God, and you felt the beauty of God, and you felt life and you felt peace, at the alpha of your life, you felt God, and you could say, "God is the center, man. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. He saved me in spite of everything. He saved me. This is amazing. And then at the Omega of my life, we go, "Yeah, man, God's amazing because he's going to take me with him. I'm going to go to heaven." I'm going to hang out, streets of gold. We're going to be eating. We're going to be celebrating. It's going to be amazing way over here. The omega is going to be awesome. The end is going to be awesome. But the thing is, is we've got all this middle space, right? We've got all this center space, all this middle space. And my question is, is Jesus in the middle of that? Alpha's easy. Omega's awesome. But is Jesus right here in the middle of every single day, of every single moment, of every single decision, of everything that you do? Is Jesus in the middle of your life? Is it all about Jesus? Is it? My guess is it's not because I know I live in this world too. I wake up in bad moods. I have bad things happen to me too. I understand that in the middle of this world that we live in, it's hard to keep Jesus in the center of our life. It's hard to keep him there. It's hard to include him. It's hard to continue talking to him. It's hard to, it's hard to just make him a part of every single thing that you do is difficult. And here's the key that I think holds all of this together. Here's the key that I think helps propel us into keeping Jesus at the center of our life. I believe that it's our passion for Jesus. I believe that it's our passion. For Jesus you know for a long time I thought that passion was an emotion for a long time I thought that passion was an emotion that passion was one of those things that happened to you but passion is a belief passion is a belief that happens so deep inside you that it drives everything that you do and here's what I know about passion and I'll say it this way that no one's passions drift in a Jesus-centered direction let me explain that when you take the hands off the wheel of your passion and your desire when you take the hand your hands off the wheel of where you're going you will never drift in a Jesus-centered direction whenever you you mentally take the hands off the wheel of your passion and you're not intentional about your passion you will never drift in a Jesus-centered direction. It's just like your car. When you take your hands off the wheel, you may stay straight for just a couple of seconds, but even if that alignment has just been you know, fixed and, and straightened, within a couple of seconds, you're gonna begin to veer one way or another. And the passion, the core of our life, the direction of our life requires that we keep our hand on the wheel. That there is a passion for Jesus that is all the way through us, through and through us. That in the very center of who we are, we keep our passions pointed and aligned toward Jesus. Because your passion is never going to drift in a Jesus-centered direction. There's so many other things in our life that begin to take over. There's so many other things in our life that begin to pull us and drag us and take us in a new direction. Unless I stay focused on my passion for Jesus Christ, I will not succeed. I will not keep him at the center of my life. Now, whose job do you think it is to keep your passion on Jesus? Passion for Jesus. It's not Jesus It's not me, it's not your campus pastor, it's not your worship pastor, to stand up here and go, let's sing again, guys. Let's sing it again, guys. Hey guys, get passionate. Hey, 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 hey. The only person on this planet that can keep your passion alive is you. The only person that can grab the steering wheel of your passion is you. The only person that can wake up in the morning and say, today I'm going to be passionate about my Savior is you. It's me on my own life. I have to decide. I'm going to be passionate. I'm going to put him in the middle. I'm going to run after him with all that I've got. Romans 12, 11 says this. Never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive. Hey, you. Hey, everybody. Every campus, everybody right now, never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive. Keep it, keep it flame. Keep it alive. Keep, it, keep that fire alive inside you, that passion for Jesus alive. I've got two questions that I want to share with you that I believe are kind of a— uh, there could be a, a hundred. These are just two things that I have found for me that help me keep my passion alive. They're, they're kind of a self-evaluation, a self-assessment that I can ask every couple of days or just whatever that I can just say, hey, and I can journal, I can write, and in that daily sync time when I'm connecting to God and I'm hearing from God, hey, listen, where am I on this passion meter? Where am I? Is my passion alive? Is it is it white hot or is it beginning to wane? Is it beginning to shrivel up? Is it beginning to die? And the first question that I ask myself is this is, Am I still in awe of the gospel? Am I still in awe of the gospel? I think think most of us probably know that gospel means good news. Another way to translate it would be that it's news that brings joy. You know, and, and honestly, this word gospel, it wasn't originally a Christian word. I don't know if you know that or not. It wasn't originally a Christian word. It was a gospel was literally good news. So in, in ancient times, whenever a battle had been won, you know, 100 miles away, they would send a messenger. They would actually send an evangelist on horse, through on a carriage, or by foot, running with all that he's got, into the village to proclaim the good news. Guys, we won the war. Hey, guys, we did it. Like we're free, like that, that oppressive group that was coming to attack us, we, defeat, we met them in the field, we defeated them, it was, it was proclaiming good news, news that brings joy. It was something that had already happened that changes your current status forever. It was something that had already happened that, that was announced that hey, listen, our lives are different in a meaningful and substantial way. Like we're free from something, there's victory in this, like this is good news. The difference between Christianity and every other religion is that Christianity is good news and every other religion is good advice. Good advice. Because every other religion says, if you do this, and hey, listen, if you do this, and then you do this, then you're going to get this really cool outcome that you've been hoping for, won't If you'll jump through the hoops, if you'll check the boxes, if you'll do all these things, then here's this really good outcome that you'll get. The Pharisees lived this way. This is what they did they hey, if we follow the laws and we jump through all the hoops and do all this stuff then god will be pleased with us he'll be happy with us but christianity is good news christianity is good news and religion is good advice this is a huge difference huge difference the problem is is that we forget that there is good news that's been given to you that we forget that a messenger came in one day and said hey listen All that sin, all that stuff, all that problem, all that junk that was inside you, it's already been taken care of. I don't have to tell you what hoops to jump through to get to that place. It's already been done for you. It's already happened in your life. In Romans 5, I love the way that it says it in Romans 5. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. When we were helpless, When we had no idea, the battle was already won. He came and he saved us. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still in it, Jesus died for us. The problem that I see with so many of us is that we forget the good news of Jesus Christ. We forget the gospel, the ultimate good news that brings joy that changed our life to begin with? How often have you just stopped and sat and thought about the grace that was given for you, to you, extended to you so that you could be saved and changed forever? How often do you just stop and think about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that redeemed you when you did not deserve anything, but he saved you, changed you? He reached out to you, he sent someone on a horse, he sent someone yelling and screaming with good news saying, listen, the battle has already been won, it's over, you are saved, you are changed, you are a child of God, you are chosen. We get into a rut where we just think, we get little snippets of Jesus and we get a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of church is okay, I'll read my Bible every now and then, I'll get just enough of Jesus and we miss out on the fact that Jesus saved you, he loves you and he died for you. That has to stay alive in our hearts, that has to stay alive in our hearts, it has to be real for each and every one of us. Every single day I need the realization of what God did for me by sending his son to this earth to to die for me. Every single day I need to sit and think about that, God, I don't deserve this. Yours is so amazing. What does it do? It stirs passion in me. It stirs passion in me. I truly begin to believe it, that, man, even though I'm a sinner, even though I have messed up, screwed up so bad, in the middle of every single thing, man, Jesus came and he died for me. In the middle of that, he died for me. Do you think after sitting in that and realizing that, that I can just go back to living life? No. There's a passion. Why? Because someone did something so great for me that I did not deserve. All I can do is live for him now. Am I still in awe of the gospel? Am I still in awe of the good news of what Jesus Christ did for me? And the second question is this. Am I walking with Jesus, or am I working for Jesus? This, is, this has been on me for weeks now. Because it is so easy to go from relationship into obligation. It's so easy for us to slip into just checking a box where all of a sudden our walk with Christ becomes a job description, not a life. All of a sudden Jesus becomes this in addition to versus the center of who we are, the core of our existence, who we truly are. And when our passion begins to dip, when that fire inside us begins to wane and begins to fall, we immediately, our next step in that is to go into this box checking thing. Where, where this Christianity thing just kind of becomes more of a chore. And it becomes something that I've always done. I don't know any other way. It's just, hey, I'm just going to fall into this mode. I'm going to check that box. I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to continue walking in that. And Jesus just simply becomes a task on a to-do list. He becomes a task. And my guess is, since we are in the Bible Belt and a lot of us grew up in church, my guess is a lot of your life has been that way. That you thought, as long as, I, as long as I keep this level up, as long as, I, as long as I keep enough of Jesus happening, then I'm okay. But there's no passion in that. There's no passion in that. There's no drive in that. There's nothing that's going to take you into that next season. You're not going to drift into loving Jesus more. Does that make sense? You're not just gonna take your hands off the wheel and think, man, I go to church and I do this thing and I'm just gonna slowly make my way into being more in love with Jesus. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. You're not gonna fall in love with Jesus more unless you want to fall in love with Jesus more. You're not gonna wanna walk with Jesus more unless you actually want to walk with Jesus more. It's not just gonna happen. It doesn't just happen because every seven days, I go to church for 60 minutes. It's not just going to happen because every seven days, at least I know I'm going to sing three or four songs. And at least I know I'm going to get a little bit of prayer time, man. Or at least least I'm going to do a little bit of this. I'm going to do a little bit of that. No. Every single day, there's something in me that I've got to do to fuel that flame, to fan that flame, to to fan that passion flame inside me for God. It's something I've got to do. Walking with Jesus is a relationship. Let me say it this way. Salvation... Is a lifestyle it's not a one-time event it's not a one-time thing you didn't raise your hand and then boom you're set for the rest of your life no it's a relationship it's a lifestyle it's something that you do day in and day out it's who you are you begin walking with Jesus I don't know if you've ever done this before but been that really awkward situation where you're like walking down a hall You know by yourself and then all of a sudden a stranger comes out of a doorway and they're walking like right next to you and it's like super awkward right you're like do I speed up to get ahead do I slow down to get behind like I don't know and then you end up saying something stupid because you're totally awkward you're like nice belt you're like whoa why don't I compliment his belt? I don't even know that. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like this awkward thing, and then you kick yourself afterwards. You're like, man, why in the world did I say that? Right? Because when you walk with someone, it's naturally a relational thing. You feel like I should talk to this person. Walking next to someone is a relational thing. It's something I do, man. My kids, my family, we go walk the neighborhood. We go, we go hang out with friends. We, just, we, walk, we go walk the mall. We do this. While, and while We're talking. We're being relational. I'm walking with. They're not working for And it's this beautiful picture of what our life with Christ is meant to be like. That we're with him, we're following him. It's relational. There's a story that Jesus, he's telling his disciples, he's saying, hey listen, I'm about to leave. And when I leave, I'm going to prepare a place for you. A beautiful place, a wonderful place, an amazing place. And Thomas, he pipes up and he's like, hey, how do we get there? Like, that sounds awesome. Amazing, actually. But how do we get there? Like, like can you give me, you know, give me turn-by-turn navigation? Can you, can you put it into my phone, Google, so that Siri will talk to me and tell me where to go, right? Like, like tell me how. And this is Jesus' response. Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He says, follow me. He says, walk with me, stay with me. If you want to get to the place I've told you about, how do you get there? Well, I'm the way, (laughs) I'm your turn by turn, baby. I'm your Garmin, I'm your Google. Like I am the way to get you there, I am the direction. He says, I'm the truth. Hey man, I'm your foundation, I'm your purpose, I'm your validity, I'm everything, I'm your truth. And he says, hey, I'm your life, I'm your peace, I'm your joy. I'm everything that you need in life. Hey, hey, I am the abundant life. But the way you get it is you stay with me. You walk with me because I'm going to get you there. I'm going to take you there. We're going to walk together into this life together. But it involves relationship. It involves including Jesus in everything we do. It involves every day I wake up and I invite him to be a part of my day. It means every single day I talk about Jesus. Y'all talk about your kids. You talk about how your wife cooks good. You talk about your friend's boat. When was the last time you talked about Jesus? When was the last time the word, the name of Jesus Christ came out of your mouth other than a cuss word? Right? I mean, when when was the last time, and not in some creepy, weird, walking into a random place going, in Jesus' name! I'm not talking, no. When was the last time, though, you just brought up what your best friend Jesus Christ has done in your life? When when was the last time you talked about him? When when was the last time you just prayed and you just had this ongoing, consistent conversation with Jesus Christ going where you just, he's a part of your life, man. He's a part of who you are. We're walking, we're talking, we're doing life together. We're in this thing together. So am I walking with Jesus right now or am I working for Jesus? Am I checking boxes? Am I going through all the motions? Am I doing all the right things? Or man, am I actually hanging out with the man? Am I actually walking with him? There's something about passion that when we are passionate about God, when we are passionate about him and that fire is burning bright, the world will know and the world will see. And like moth to a flame, people will come to you and go, man, what's different? What's changed? Man, I know what you're going through. I know what your family's dealing with. How are you smiling right now? How are, you, how are you making it through this? How are you still sane right now with what's happening in our world? There's a peace and there's a fire that's burning inside you. And John Wesley has been attributed with saying, some people say that he did not say it. But I have the microphone, so I say he did say it. Um, but he said, listen, I light myself on passion for God and people come from miles to watch me burn. I light myself on passion for God and people will come from miles to watch me burn. Jesus is all about people. Jesus is all about people. Jesus is all about you. He looks down on us and he wants us to be passionate for him and he wants us to be passionate about people. He wants us to be passionate about going after his heart, what he cares so deeply for. Whenever we are all about Jesus, we're all about him, and that fire is burning so bright, that fire will not consume you and burn you up and burn you out. In the kingdom economy, it does not work like that. That fire will just burn brighter and brighter and brighter inside you. That passion for Jesus want us to pray together. Lord, we love you. And God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for, for this inspiring message. And Lord, I pray right now, God, that you will help us to see clear where our passion level is. Lord, help us to see clear that God, we're not living with you at the front. We're not living with you in the middle. We're not living with you anywhere in our lives, that you are not in the middle of our lives. And Lord, I pray right now, give us clarity to see that we need more passion for you, a drive for you, a, a desire for more and more of you in our everyday life. God, challenge us to light ourselves on fire. We control that. It's our job to keep our passion alive. And Lord, I pray right now that we would be inspired to light ourselves on fire for you, God. So that people would come and watch us burn and ask questions and god we could point people to you and your goodness and your love and your mercy lord we love you so much in jesus name in just a moment we're going to sing together we're going to we're going to declare again that it's all about jesus and we're going to celebrate jesus at every campus every location and we're just going to sing together but before we get to that i i want to give the opportunity because i believe right now in every environment in every campus whether you're watching on a computer screen wherever you are i believe there are people that need to meet jesus christ today whether maybe you grew up in some sort of a faith tradition and you you kind of knew christ or maybe you've never known christ maybe you maybe you've been checking boxes or maybe you literally have no idea what we're talking about and you just feel this prick in your heart you feel something changing on the inside You feel that maybe this is what you should do. And I believe today is the day that you are to give your life to Christ, that today is the day that Jesus wants to come into your life and become the center of your life, become the focal point of who you are. So at every campus right now, you guys just bow your head for just a moment, just a moment. At every campus right now, if that's you and you say, yeah, I need to surrender everything that I am, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ today, go ahead and slip your hand up at every campus right now. And you say, man, I've been missing it. He's not in the middle of my life. He's not the center of my life. Go ahead and raise your hand at every campus. I see several hands here. I'm believing there are hands at every single campus. Everybody, let's pray this together, especially those of you with your hands up. Let's pray, Jesus, I surrender my life. I surrender my all. Come into my life and change me forever. Become the center of my life. Give me passion for you and a desire to know you more. Lord, I love you so much, and I give you my all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you guys do something for me? Stand on your feet real quick. Let's give God a big old hand. Let's give Jesus the biggest hand we possibly can, and let's sing together. Day, right? Listen, I want to, if you raised your hand and made that decision today, I want to congratulate you and I want to ask you as our ministries team starts to come. If you raised your hand, do not go that way. I want to invite you to come. Man, if you start this walk with Jesus, come let us walk this walk, this journey with you. That's all we want to do is help you get started on this journey. So if you raised your hand, I would ask you to come this way. For everyone else, it's summer at City Hope. Don't run out too quick. Run outside. We've got a We've got some bottle cokes out there. Grab you one of those. Take some selfies in front of the shoes, front of your bare feet, whatever that is. Hang out for a while, and we'll see you next week here at City Hope. God bless you.